Wow. Just filled with his sense of his presence. Sense of our need to be on our faces before God. Not just today and tomorrow and Tuesday and then it's all over. Continually in his presence. Take your Bibles and turn with me to John chapter 6, verses 60 through 71, the last part of this chapter that we will try to cover in its entirety today. And if we don't, we'll come back again later. We know that Jesus is in the synagogue in Capernaum. He has been giving an extended discourse, an extended teaching on being the bread of life. He's fed 5,000 people. And he said, what I'm doing with this 5,000 people feeding is I'm showing you who I am and what I can do. And the people are perplexed, they're confused, they're angry, they argue, they grumble, they do all sorts of things. And it's no different in this passage as he comes toward the end. Hear the word of the Lord. Therefore, many of his disciples, and don't think he's talking about the 12 there. These are a lot of people that are following. Many of his disciples, when they heard this, they said, This is a difficult statement. Who can listen to it? And Jesus, conscious that his disciples grumbled at this, said to them, Does this cause you to stumble? What then if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? What if you really see his authority announced? You've seen some bread, you've seen some people fed, you've seen me talk about I'm the bread of life, eat of me, blah, blah, blah. But what if you see the Son of Man ascending back into heaven from whence he came, declaring the authority of Christ? What are you going to think of then? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. But there's some, there's some of you who do not believe. Now these he's calling, or, or John is saying, some of his disciples were following. And then Jesus says to those who are classified as disciples, but some of you do not believe. Hmm. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that did not believe and who it was that was going to betray him. And he was saying, for this reason, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted him or her from the Father. As a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew. And we're walking with him no more. With him, not walking with him anymore. And in other words, they said, this is too tough. This is too hard. I'm going to walk away. 
So Jesus turned and he said to the 12, you know, those 12 that were with him, Matthew, John, Andrew, Bartholomew, those 12, do you, do you not want to go away also? Do you not want to go away? You do not want to go away also, do you? And Simon Peter answered him and said, Lord, I love Simon Peter. He said, Lord, (laughs) to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have believed that you have come, we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One from God. The Holy One of God, from God. You are God. Jesus answered them, did I myself not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is a devil. Now he meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. What a passage. What a passage to bring to a close this discourse on I am the bread of life. If anyone comes after me and believes in me and trusts me, he must eat of my body and drink of my blood, just like we talked about last Sunday, even in illustrating that and, 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 and showing that through the Lord's Supper, through the taking of communion. If you want to come after me, let me tell you, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. This is a total commitment kind of thing. This is not about half-hearted discipleship. This is not about saying, oh, I believe, you're, I believe there's a God. I believe God is true. I believe all that. He said, no, if you want to come after me, if you want to have eternal life, if you want to know really what life is all about, then you must come after me with absolute, total commitment and abandon. You must eat my flesh and drink my blood. Well, some of those people standing around there said, oh, Oh, this is, this, is, this is hard, Jesus. This is, this is a difficult statement. I mean, who can listen to this kind of talk? Sounds cannibalistic. Sounds kind of gross. Sounds, sounds kind of, to use a more current vernacular, sounds kind of yucky. Eat your blood. Drink your blood and, and eat your flesh. Who can, who can listen to this kind of thing? You see, there are about four things, I think, that these disciples, not those who had believed, not the twelve, but these who were following. Remember, a disciple literally is one who, who listens, who, who studies, who, who follows and learns. And there were a lot that following Jesus because, man, they saw the, they saw the miracles. But these that were following along, there were basically about four things that, that Jesus said that really they took umbrage with. They really had a problem with. Basically, just four things. One was they were really more interested in food for their belly than they were food for their soul. We talked about that. They, they saw Jesus as a perpetual welfare system where they'd never have to work again. He'd just keep turning, you know, multiplying fish and multiplying bread, and, and, and they'd just be able to have everything they ever needed, ever wanted. Just, you know, they wanted their bellies filled. You know, Paul said something to the Philippian Christians, said those who reject the gospel are really those who just have as their God their appetite, their belly. That's what these people were like. They took umbrage with him because they, they were more interested in spiritual, uh, the physical food than they were spiritual food, and they were also more interested in a political messiahism. 
they wanted to take him away, set him on the throne, and, and run the Romans out and, and, and purge the temple of all the corruption that was there and say, Jesus, you, you can have all the worship. We can have all the worship. We're going to put you as king. We want you to be the Messiah in a, in a, in a real political sort of way. In a, in a real, we, we want a political leader, Jesus, who can take care of us. They were also interested more in the manipulative side of the miracles. You can dazzle the people. Jesus, you, turn, you just do a few more fish and loaves things, and you do a, a few more men that have been sitting there by the pool of Bethesda for 30 years, and you tell them to get up and take up their, blanket, uh, their cot and walk, and, and, and man, Jesus, you, the people will just be wowed by it, because we were. We are. They weren't looking for spiritual realities to which the feeding miracle had pointed. They weren't looking for bread that would fill their spiritual souls for all of eternity. They wanted the temporal. They wanted what was there immediately. It's one thing. I know it sounded like three or four, but it was just one. Second thing is they, they were unprepared to relinquish their own sovereignty, their own independence. They were, they were unprepared to relinquish their own sovereign authority over even religious matters. I mean, you know, they, they wanted to say, hey, we'll come to God on our terms when we want to, however we want to. We'll make that choice. We'll do it. Jesus said in this passage, he said, you know, <laughs> you understand something. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and no one can come to me unless the Father draw him, lest the Spirit draw him. And indeed, in this passage this morning, he said, this is why I told you. It's for this reason that I told you no one can come to me unless it has been granted him from the Father. They didn't like that. That should be no surprise. People don't like that today. People don't like that today. You say, no, God is sovereign even in salvation. God is sovereign over all creation. They want to say, no, 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 no. You know, I, 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 I did this. We have a little saying, you've heard people say it, you've probably said it yourself. They say, you know, <laughs> they look at somebody, maybe he's a derelict, maybe he's about to go off to prison for doing some horrible crime, maybe he's just wallowing in his own self-pity, and we look at him and we say, you know, oh man, there but for the grace of God go I. You ever heard that? You ever said that? Do you really mean it? Probably not. Probably what you meant was, boy, I'm sure glad I'm not as stupid as that fellow is. I'm glad I'm smarter. I'm glad I've got my life more together. But, but really, the statement is true there, but by the grace of God, go I. If God were not sovereignly protecting me and watching over me, my sin is just as great as his sin. My disobedience to God is just as great as his disobedience. Let me tell you something. I've got friends that are in jail right now, and I want you to know I had just as much capacity to do what they did as they did to do it. But God's grace... Save me. You know, you know, that's why we, we sing the song. We love the song around here. We named our church Grace, and, and we sing, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. Most of us are really not amazed by grace. You know why? Because we think, you know, we did enough that God, that, that we really deserved God's grace. You know, I, it's just, you know, I, I tried hard. I've been real religious, and, you know, I just kind of earned, I deserve God to show his grace to me. I heard, Somebody say that not long ago. You know, I just think if you do good, try your best, be very religious, then, then you deserve to get God's grace. If you deserve God's grace, it's not 
grace. It's a wage, something you earn. These people wanted to say to God, God, we have done all the law, we have fulfilled all the sacrifices, we go to temple, we do our thing, we bow and pray when we're supposed to bow and pray, we follow the religious guidelines, and Lord, we don't want you to say, no man can come to the Father unless the Father grants it. We don't want you saying, Jesus, that all that the Father gives me will come to me. We don't want you saying, Lord, that uh, those whom the Father has given me, the Spirit will draw to me, because we want it to be on our own. Every time I read that passage, I think a little, little Miss Reba Blake. When I knew Reba Blake, she was 80 years old, and that was 40 years ago. Pretty sure she's not around anymore, so she won't hear this recording. But I remember, remember I was preaching on this particular passage, and Reba Blake came up to me after the service, and she said, I've got a real problem with that, Pastor. I said, what do you mean? You got a, I got a real problem with the way, the way you preach grace there. I mean, you know, uh, I just like to think that I have something to do with my salvation. I just like to think I had something to do with it. These people wanted to say to Jesus, wait, Lord, <laughs> we come to God on our terms when we want to come. Don't tell us it's a sovereign act of God. It's our work. It's not grace. I think I'd ask you, these people certainly weren't amazed by grace. I would ask you this morning, are you amazed by His grace? Third thing, they were particularly offended by Jesus' claims that, that He was greater than Moses, uniquely sent by God and authorized and as the only authorized agent to give life. You're saying you're greater than Moses? Why, Moses gave our fathers manna in the wilderness, and they ate of it. And Jesus said, yes, they ate of it, and God gave it through Moses, but they ate of that manna, and they died. I want you to know, I'm the bread of life. I'm come down out of heaven like the manna came down out of heaven. But if you eat of this bread, you'll never die. You'll have life, and life eternal. You'll never perish. Well, Jesus, what if we want to get our bread of life somewhere else? You can't get anywhere else. Well, what if we want to go and back to Moses and say, Moses, give us some more manna and we'll eat of it and then we'll, we'll, we'll do what we need to do to please God. Jesus said you can't get bread from Moses anymore. Moses is dead and in a grave. I'm the bread of life, exclusively so. And I am capable of giving life, and only I am capable of giving life. And then the fourth thing they were somewhat perplexed by and had umbrage toward was, was his statement that we kind of touched on at first, but I'll bring it back in as the fourth point, and that is the, the, the extended metaphor that he carries throughout this whole passage of, of bread, that was in itself offensive to them when he said, I'm the bread of life, eat my flesh, drink my blood, I'm the bread of life, you'll never hunger, You'll never thirst again. That was, I mean, the Jews, if they touched someone who had died, much less touched somebody's blood, they had to go through a whole ceremonial cleansing before they could go back into worship. I mean, they were disqualified because of it. And now Jesus is saying, listen, it's my blood, it's my body, ultimately my dead body that brings life. And, and they struggled with that. They couldn't stand amazed. 
So, so they turned, they went away, and, and as they went away, Jesus said after they said in verse 60, it's a difficult statement, who can listen to this? Basically, they said, we can't listen to this. They left, they grumbled, and, and Jesus said, why does this cause you to stumble? Does, does this cause you to stumble? You see there a little bit of his supernatural knowledge? We've talked about that the other Wednesday night. We talked about Christ coming in the flesh, and he didn't really give up any of his divine attributes. He merely took on human attributes. That he had omnipotence, he had omniscience, he had all those great powers of God. And he, he saw the crowd, he said, why is this, why are you, why are you grumbling about this? What are, you, what are you fussing about? And then I'm sure he just blew their mind away when he said, uh, what then if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? They've already said, we know your father. We know your mother. We know that, that Joseph and Mary are, are who you were grazed up with. They're, he's a carpenter. Mary gave you birth. And you say you're going to send back from where you came from? That, it's, an, it's an authority matter. Tonight, Adam's going to preach on the ascension. I'm, I'm glad. I hope you'll be back. I'll tell you more about that in a minute. But, but, but there's, a, there's this matter of his authority being declared in his ascension. And then he says, understand this. It's the Spirit that gives life. The flesh doesn't give life. The, the, the flesh profits nothing. Oh, there's, there. these, these disciples who are following along because of the miracles, they're, they're biting their tongues. They're gnawing on their jaws. What is, who does he think he is? He doesn't think he's anybody. He knows who he is. So in verse 67, after the, these, these false disciples, which, by the way, just shows that there are a lot of people who follow for a time who don't really have faith. But Jesus turns around, he looks at the 12, and he said, Well, you do not want to go away, do you? You don't want to go away, do you? I mean, these folks are leaving. They're leaving in droves. Are you going to go too? Simon Peter, oh dear, bless his heart, Simon Peter. He can stick his foot in his mouth sometimes, but sometimes, by the grace of God, he nails it. And he said, Lord, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the, the words of eternal life. We have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. You are God incarnate. Where are we going to go? I was kind of moved a bit on... All the days run together, but I think it was Friday morning as we were in this worship conference and a pastor stood up who was pastor of the host church. I'd love to give you his name. Well, I'll try. Afshin Ziafat. It's probably not the way it's said, but it's kind of phonetically close maybe. A-F-S-H-I-N-Z-I-A-F-A-T. Maybe it's Ziafat. I don't know. But he stood up to preach, and I could tell he was a little different. Maybe it was the 
olive, dark olive complexion. Maybe it was a few other things, but, and maybe it was his name. I'm pretty sharp at times. He stood there and he started reading scripture and talking about it. And he said, you know, I, I was raised in an Iranian home. My father is a, and mother are Sunni Muslims, very devout. I was in college and I, and I, I someone gave me a New Testament. And he said, I just said, well, I think I'll read through this. I get all the religious books, you know, let's read all of them and know all of them. So he said, I'll just read the New Testament. He said, I read the New Testament and the Spirit of God broke me before Christ. And I confess Jesus Christ as the Lord, the only Lord. So I went home, told my dad. I said, Dad, I... I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I believe Jesus is the Messiah. And his dad said, Son, I'm so excited about that. That just makes my day. He didn't say that. He said, you've got to make a choice. You can follow Jesus, or you can be my son. I talked to him after the service. I said, did you think your dad was just kidding? He said, oh, no. I knew he was dead serious. And he told that group, and he told me in, in private afterwards, as I was back in his office talking a little bit, and he said, he said, I've not spoken to my dad since that day. He totally disowned me. I said, well, didn't you have, I was thinking about my sermon today, and I said, didn't you have any, just a little twinge to say, will you not also go away? Will you not turn back and say, well, maybe I'll just need to keep my family? He said, no. He said, I, I love my family. I pray for my family. I pray that Christ will break through in their lives and save them and give them life. But no, I never had any inkling to say, well, Lord, I'd like to follow you, but you know, the cost is hard. The price is too high. It's too difficult. He followed Christ. Now he's pastor of Providence Church in Frisco, Texas. You see, we read these lessons, we read these passages of Scripture and we say, well, it doesn't really apply. Let me tell you folks, it applies. I wonder sometimes if American Christianity is not like those disciples who saw the bread, they saw the miracle, they, they saw the the, the buzz around Jesus, they said, hey, we're going to follow this guy for a while. We're going to get our bellies filled. We're going to see people healed. We're going to have a great time. And when Jesus turned to him and said, listen, though, I want you to understand, it's going to cost you everything. Another place he says, take up your cross and follow me. Die to self. Die to this world. 
follow me. I, I wonder if, if Jesus were to walk in here today and just say, you know, Grace Baptist, here it is. Follow me completely, give up everything and follow me, or just go away. How many of us would say, hmm, hmm, that's hard. I have to ask myself that question, folks. I love my comforts. I, I, I love being an American and, 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 and being free, and, and I, I love that, that my parents rejoiced when I professed faith in Christ. I, 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 I love that, that I can make a good living and provide comforts. And, and but what if Jesus said, leave it all, walk away, come out and follow me? I wonder if I wouldn't have to say, ooh, God, mm, that's tough. Who can, who can listen to that? I mean, whew, that's, that's hard. The call that he gives there and the statements that he makes there. Folks, this is the infallible, perfect, inerrant word of God. The call is just as clear to you and me. Some of you here really basing everything every, everything you feel on, on what happens Tuesday. i got to admit, I'm anxious about Tuesday. You know what I'm glad? Mitt Romney, Barack Obama, Joe Biden, Paul Ryan, Al Rogers, Rand Paul, Mitch McConnell, on down the line. None of those have the words of life. None of those can change a thing spiritually by being elected. Oh, I'm so glad Beth played that song, that melody with words on the, from from Second Chronicles 7:14. If my people, if my people, not if the world will pray, they can't pray. But if my people believers, those who have eaten of his flesh and drank his blood and followed him and believed him and have come to know that he has the word of, words of eternal life and come to know that he is the Holy One of God. He is Messiah. He is King. He is the one who ascended. He is the one who came down out of heaven. He is the one who has life. If we've come to know that, got everything. We've got everything. So it doesn't matter if Democrats are ruling or Republicans are ruling. It doesn't matter spiritually, biblically. I've told you this before, but let me tell you right now, and I don't care who wins Tuesday, if you want to see where we're going as a country, go read Bonhoeffer by Eric Mateus in Texas. It's in our book nook. You can get it on Kindle, nook, however you read it. Read Bonhoeffer and see a man who is willing to say, you know, no matter who's in control, God is in control. No matter who's ruling or serving, supposedly, no matter who, God is sovereign. 
and always will be. Jeff used that phrase out of Revelation. He is he's the God who was and who is and who is to come. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. There is nothing that escapes His control. There's nothing that thwarts His plans. There is nothing that, that, um, that amazes Him. Nothing that shocks Him. And may by His grace we stand amazed before Him. Listen, I was, I was, I was vile. I was vile. And he saved me. If you wanna if you got Facebook, go on my Facebook page. There's a picture of me sitting there. It looks kind of strange. It's me. It'll probably lose me on the calendar here. But I'm sitting down on a on a step just like this. And it's just brick behind me and stuff. And and when I got there a few weeks ago at Tuscaloosa and I sat down there, I told Retta and I told our friends, I said, now take my picture here. Retta knew what it was, but my friends were kind of looking at me. I said, no, no, I want a picture made right here at this spot. And they did. I posted it. And I said to the, on there, I said, you know, this may look a little strange, but something happened at that very spot on a cold, rainy January night in 1970. It's a long time ago. Probably the majority in this room weren't even born in 1970. I said, something very significant happened at that spot. You know what it was? I became amazed by grace. The Spirit of God overcame me. The Spirit of God, as Jesus said, gave me life. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. And that night at 2 a.m. in the morning, I didn't have somebody from the Baptist Student Union or somebody from Campus Crusade for Christ or somebody from the Navigators or somebody from, from anywhere there with me. I was by myself in final exams. Should have been studying for an economics exam. Made a D on it the next day. But something happened more significant that night than anything has ever happened in all my life. The Spirit gave life. I didn't say, Jesus, could I buy some life? Jesus, if I go back and try to be better and do harder, and can I deserve your grace? He said, no, Haynes, you are a wreck. And I was. You're a mess. But I give you my grace. I draw you to Christ. Trust Christ. And I did. Now you can... I hope you've known that truth. Hope you're not one like Miss Reba Blake. Said, "Well, you know, I like to think that I had something to do with my salvation. I like to, have, I like to think I, you know, gave a little bit into it." Well, then, mm, that's scary. Amazing grace. 
how sweet the sound that saved a wretch. That's been a cleaned up version. Newton said that saved a worm like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. He didn't say, I once was lost, but I found it. I once was lost, but now I am found. I was blind, but now I see. I was dead in my trespasses and sins. But God, being rich in mercy, because of His great love, has made me alive together with you in Christ Jesus. Well, tell me. Do you not want to go away too? Well, it's hard. I don't like it. Makes me look kind of insignificant. But when we see our insignificance, we see His glory. It's all about that. It's all about His glory. All about who He is. What He has done. Let's pray. So what are you going to do? Are you going to walk away? Are you, are you going to just say, this is hard, this is tough, can't do this? Or are you going to eat and drink and believe and confess that He is the Holy One of God, that He is the one who gives life, that indeed He has words of life. Father, Father, this word is so powerful to change hearts and lives. I pray, Lord, right now for men and women sitting in here who are like those follow-along disciples. They're not truly believing. They just kind of like the, the music and they like the feel and they like the... But, Lord, they need to come to you. They need to confess you and you alone. Father, work in their hearts. Work in their lives. Father, I pray for us as a church that we will seek you more than anything else. More than treasure, more than stuff. But Lord, you'll crush the idols in our lives and draw us to yourself. Thank you, Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.